Hello and welcome to Young Catholic Speaks. My name is Bennett and today I'm going to be talking about the Miraculous Medal. The Miraculous Medal is a small elliptical medallion. On the obverse, or front side, it depicts the Blessed Virgin Mary standing on a globe and under her feet is a serpent, symbolizing how Mary's obedience conquered the devil. On the globe is the number 1830, representing the year that Mary gave us the design for the medal. Beams of light shine down from Mary's hands, symbolizing the graces that God allows her to give us when we ask for them. Surrounding the image are the words, O Mary conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. On the reverse, or backside, is a cross interlocked with the letter M. Underneath the M are the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary side by side. This represents how Jesus and Mary are united in the same cause for our salvation. Surrounding this image are twelve stars, representing the twelve apostles and symbolizing the church. Now that you know what it looks like, let's talk about the origins of the Miraculous Medal. The Miraculous Medal was given to us when the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared to St. Catherine Labor on November 27, 1830. Mary asked her to have a medal made and she showed her what it should look like. One interesting note is that the beams of light were actually coming from precious stones on rings on Mary's fingers. Some of the precious stones, however, were dark and they didn't cast forth light like the other precious stones. Mary explained to St. Catherine that this represented the fact that not everybody will receive graces if they don't ask for them. Mary promised that we will receive great and abundant graces if we wear the miraculous medal after it has been blessed by a priest, especially if we wear it around the neck. We still have to ask for those graces, though. The Blessed Virgin Mary told St. Catherine Labor that the medal must be given to the whole world and to every person. St. Catherine was a nun, so she told her confessor priest about it, but he didn't believe her. It took two years for the medal to be approved and distributed. It was originally called the Medal of the Immaculate Conception, but the amount of miracles such as healings and conversions attributed to the medal caused it to quickly be nicknamed the Miraculous Medal. One of the most famous stories of the Miraculous Medal is that of the conversion of Alphonse Radisbon. Radisbon was a French Jew who absolutely hated the Catholic Church, probably due to the fact that his older brother broke from his family, converted to Catholicism, and became a priest. Alphonse decided to do some sightseeing in Rome, and while he was there, he met a convert to Catholicism. This convert managed to convince Alphonse to wear a miraculous medal in order to prove that he would never convert to Christianity. Together, Mr. Radisbon and the convert, whose name I can't pronounce, went to a nearby church. At the convert's request, Radisbon stayed in the church while the convert stepped out for a while. When the convert returned to the church, he found Alphonse on the opposite side of where he left him, kneeling and crying. Alphonse had received a vision of Our Lady as she is depicted on the Miraculous Medal, 
He was soon baptized and eventually was ordained a priest. He, along with his older brother, who was also a priest, founded the Congregation of Our Lady of Sion, which is dedicated to the conversion of Jews. This is just one of many, many, many stories of miracles attributed to the miraculous medal. Through the intercession of our Mother Mary, each of us receives special graces for what we need. For myself personally, I don't drive without wearing the miraculous medal because I have faith that through the intercession of Our Lady, I receive the grace to be a good driver. As I was thinking about the miraculous medal, I realized that it can seem a lot like a charm or an amulet, which is something you wear that can magically give you protection or other gifts. Charms and amulets are forbidden by the church, so I had to think for a while about what makes the miraculous medal different from charms. What I realized is that the miraculous medal has no power on its own. What causes the miraculous medal to be miraculous is a combination of faith and prayer. This is kind of complicated, so let me explain. First, Mary promised that when we wear the miraculous medal and ask for graces, we're going to get graces. Therefore, we have a concrete promise to put faith in. Therefore, the miraculous medal is something that helps boost our faith in God rather than something to put faith in, as a charm would be. Second, the miraculous medal helps us to pray. When we put on the miraculous medal, we should pray and ask for graces, whatever graces we need. Jesus said, Ask and you shall receive. And Mary promised that graces will be given to us when we ask for them. Also, wearing the miraculous medal is a great testament to the faith. So just wearing a miraculous medal can be a prayer in itself. By helping us to have faith and reminding us to pray, the miraculous medal gets its miraculous qualities. That's about all I have to say about the miraculous medal this month. So, for my challenge this month, I encourage you to find and wear a miraculous medal if you don't already. But in general, we should also get in the habit of asking for graces. All we have to do is ask, and we will surely receive what we need. So let's start getting in the habit of asking for graces this month. As a side note, before I go, this September, I finally received a letter back from the White House. Towards the end of January, I sent a letter to President Biden asking him to rethink his stance on abortion in light of Catholic teachings. I don't think I expected much from the White House. I thought that maybe I would receive a letter from someone on the White House staff explaining what the president's policy is on abortion. But what I got is even worse than that. Let me read the letter to you. Dear Bennett, Thank you for writing to me. In overturning Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court has taken away a constitutional right from the American people to make the most intimate decisions about their health care and families without government interference. Now, fundamental rights to privacy, autonomy, freedom, and equality have been denied to millions of women across the country, with grave implications for their health, lives, and well-being. What we're witnessing is a giant step backward in much of our country, 
but let me be clear. Access to reproductive care is health care. Vice President Harris and I will fight for the freedom of all people to build their own future and to determine their own destiny. That's why I signed an executive order that safeguards access to reproductive health care services such as medication abortion and contraception, and ensures emergency medical care. It also protects the privacy of patients and their access to accurate information and promotes the safety and security of everyone who seeks and provides health care services. Finally, this executive order makes sure that the entire federal government is coordinated in our efforts to protect reproductive rights and access to health care across America. The Supreme Court and its allies are committed to moving America backward with fewer rights, less autonomy, and politicians invading the most personal of decisions. This decision affects everyone, and the American people must continue to demand that Congress enshrine the protections of Roe v. Wade into federal law. I believe Congress should do so with a simple majority vote, but if Congress lacks the votes to do that now, you need to make your voices heard. Our daughters and granddaughters deserve the same rights as their mothers and grandmothers. This fight is not over. To find out more about your right to access reproductive health care, visit reproductiverights.gov. Sincerely, Joe Biden. I'd like to point out a few parts of this letter. First, it talks about the overturning of Roe v. Wade, which nobody had any idea about in January when I sent the letter. Second, he talks about determining our own destiny. I know that he's an American politician, but as a Christian, he should really be relying on God's providence. Third, he gives support to abortion and contraception, both of which are forbidden by the Catholic Church in all cases, as far as I know. Fourth, he says that if Congress lacks the votes to make Roe v. Wade a law, then I need to make my voice heard as if I agree with him. Finally, he says that our daughters and granddaughters deserve the same rights as their mothers and grandmothers. I find it interesting and somewhat ironic that he talks about our children having rights, even though he won't protect their right to life when they are unable to do anything about it. Our daughters and granddaughters deserve the right to be killed before they even take their first breath. Clearly, nobody even bothered to actually read my letter. Someone just saw the word abortion and sent the appropriate form letter. I wouldn't be so frustrated about this, and I probably wouldn't even have sent my letter in the first place if President Biden didn't claim to be Catholic. But in this letter, and throughout his campaign and presidency, he has explicitly gone against the Catholic teaching. Seeing as how my letter didn't do anything to help bring President Biden back to the Catholic teachings, I guess the only thing that we can do now is pray for him. So this month, let's pray for President Biden that he returns to the teachings of the Church. And that's the episode. Thanks much for listening. If you liked this episode, please share it with someone. You can even share it on social media if you want to. The link to all of my episodes so far is youngcatholicspeaks.podbean.com. Again, thank you so much for listening. My name is Bennett, 
This is Young Catholic Speaks, and I'll see y'all next month.